Hey guys, and welcome to the first ever episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chris. Thank you guys all so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. This is something that Andrew and I have actually wanted to do for quite some time. A long time. A long time. And we've we've tried, and we've tried, and we've failed. Oh, we failed hard. Until now. Because I think... Until now. I think, yeah, I think we're on to something really good. We just had our first ever call with our first guest, our friend Derek from Walkney. It was very fun. It was fun. I think I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. We dove into the creative process, sort of got to see what makes Derek tick, learned about hard work and his relentless ethic toward just trying to be the best musician he can be. He's got a lot of elbow grease. Yeah, exactly. And he's just a really cool dude to talk to. And we couldn't be any more grateful for him for being a good friend and coming on this show and helping us out. So uh, without without spoiling anything further, that is what you can expect from this show and this episode. Yeah, and uh, we're going to be uploading these episodes late Sunday night, so you can have a Monday morning, wherever you're driving to on a Monday morning. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, leave a review if you can. It's going to be everywhere where you can listen to podcasts. And Spotify, too. I know that's a bit of an obscure one, but we will be on Spotify. Yep, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the ones that have weird names, we're going to be everywhere. Yeah, um, the podcast will always go up every Sunday night, like we said, and uh, we hope you guys enjoy your, your Monday mornings. And without further ado, here's Lucia Rose by Walkney. Hey guys, welcome to the first ever episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris, a show about life, music, and everything in between. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chris. And we're really, really, really excited to have as our first guest ever, he's a longtime friend, longer time musician, Derek Meridjanovic, aka Walkney. What's up, Derek? Not so much, dude. You said my last name right. What's good, guys? What's up, Chris? Andrew? I miss you guys. Dude, we miss you too, man. Thank you again so much for, for being a part of this thing, man. That's, you know, we, we couldn't appreciate it more. Dude, I, uh, I, feel like I, I feel like I had to, you know? It's just, uh, I, I can't leave the boys hanging. Dude, we love that, man. We so love that. True, and that's man. why we wanted to have you on this show as early as we could. Because we just feel, I don't know, man, we're coming out to your show in Brooklyn. You know, we go to your, we, we, we like you, man. We like to hang out with you and talk to you, so... It's been a it's been it's been a long time since Carmel rapping in Tyler's basement. True. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Were you ever in on those uh those those driveway van rap sessions? Not the driveway van rap session. The only driveway session I had at Tyler's and Carmel was whenever uh Dan and Tyler showed me the 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 record with breakthrough on it, and they're just like crying their eyes out because their oh band. Was- <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I don't, but I don't remember a lot of back then. I just remember, like, Dan showing me uh, their version of that song, Perfect, and being like, yo, uh, All American Rejects comes in right here. Boom. And I was like, dude, you're Hollywood ending, dude. You're not All American Rejects. Yeah, don't feel, don't feel bad about not remembering it, because, like, 95% of my, my dealings with Dan and Tyler, I don't remember either. So, Dude, well, I was yeah. the one who did remember. That's kind of why I was around. Yeah, you were, like, oh, our man. scribe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, if, if, if you don't remember 
you know, when we were hanging out in that exercise room in Chicago, then like, if, as long as you remember that, then I don't care what else you forget. Oh my God. I'll never forget. It was like, yeah, we're getting noise complaints. Everyone be quiet. And Andrew <laughs> just went to the exercise room. We're just like, chill. you know what? We're not, we're not potentially getting thrown out of a hotel. We're just going to go sit on some exercise bikes and just chill. I mean, oh man, what tour? What even, what tour was that? Was that the Freaks and Geeks tour? It had to be. That was like I think that was the same tour when we shut down a whole floor of a hotel in Allentown. Oh God! Yeah that that was the craziest. That was probably one of the craziest parties I've yeah. ever been to in my entire life. I mean, it just life. like I think they that was probably the smartest hotel we've ever been to because they were like, oh, there's three bands staying here and a whole bunch of dumb kids. Let's just give them all the same floor and book every room on that floor for them. And we literally had the whole floor. And I'm pretty sure I woke up in the morning to a picture of Derek wearing a bulletproof vest. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> me and the security guard became homies, and I asked him if I could wear his bulletproof vest, and he let me wear it. It was pretty sweet. <laughs> I, I have so many questions about that. <laughs> First off, what kind of hotel are you staying in that the security needs a bulletproof vest? Well, it was a Holiday was, Inn. Yeah, it was actually the Holiday Inn. You know, like Holiday the. Inn by Chingy. Like, no, nothing I'm... chilling at the Holiday Inn. Who you, you know? With? You know that song. It's a classic rap song. I'm chilling at was... the Holiday Inn. I do well, that not. song, that I'm song is actually, it's, it's Snoop Dogg and singing, it's actually about that Holiday Inn in, in Allentown. That same night, actually, me and Chris Bourne went on the Dickie Betts from the Allman Brothers tour bus. That was just like a wild night, man. I, I've never experienced anything like touring with all you guys. Dude, my first guitar my dad purchased for me from Dickie Betts because one of my uncles was a tour manager of this band. Oh, what was their name? They were like this band from the seventies that was huge in Europe. They wrote um, "Summertime, Summertime Blues" or whatever that Who song was that got really famous. That was their song, and they covered it. But my first guitar was from Dickie Betts's just guitar graveyard. My uncle was wow, like, dude. "I can get you a guitar cheap." That's awesome. It sucked. <laughs> it played like I, uh, shit. Yeah, well, but I didn't even know that he was who he was at the time. Like, I knew he played with the Allman Brothers, but I didn't realize he was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I was there like three, four months later, and they had like all his shit like in a case, and I was just like, damn, like seriously, because at the time I was just like a big like all time loyal geek and like pop oh, yeah. punk guy. Oh, we all. And over the last few years, I've kind of I feel like I've cultured myself a bit more with music, um, trying to real trying to align myself with the greats. Um, not that all time low isn't great, but try to set my sights a little bit higher. So I've been forcing myself to listen to a uh, little little bit different style of music and stuff like that. But well, man, yeah, what well, good times, boys! Great, <laughs> yeah. great times, dude. Dude, you know I'm kind of glad you said that because one of the things I've noticed about your newest EP, Oh No is that, you know, when you were in the big time, those songs were rocking, right? They were very in your face, your vocals sounded great, but they they sort of, they you can tell the journey that you've been on, you know, like you have a pop song, but then out of nowhere, there's a ripping guitar solo. And that doesn't, right. that doesn't mean it's like a classic rock song. You do it in such a way that it's like you're combining, I can tell where you came from and where you currently are. And you're blending those two, at least I get that as a listener. And I think that that's really... You're on a good path, is what I'm trying to say. Well, thanks, Chris. I think that it's, a, I think it's a very important thing. It's always been a very important thing for me to never define myself as one thing, um, because I make all different types of songs, and I kind of write how I'm feeling. Like if I'm feeling angry, like it's gonna sound maybe heavy and angry, um, a little bit more aggressive. And a lot of my favorite artists, artists I think that have 
done great throughout like music history or the artists that kind of ride the line. Um, the first example of that, I guess, was like Fall Out Boy back in the day. Like they really interfaced with like the pop, hip hop, then like pop punk, and then a little bit of soul and everything like that. And Panic the Disco, like you couldn't really define those bands. And I kind of wanted to be like that with Walkney. I don't, I don't want to pigeon myself in any way because now that Walkney is my project, um, and I have full creative control, and I write all, all the songs and stuff, um, I, you know, I, I want to be able to experiment throughout the rest of my life because this is this is a thing where Walkney is my name. It's not just like a band. It's not just like some project idea that we came up with. It's, it's got a very deep meaning. Like it was my mom's maiden name and stuff and. That story goes way back. My mom passed away when I was like 15, and that's kind of like what gave me like a, a kick in the ass with music, kind of forced me to use music to just keep myself busy. So it has a very, very strong meaning, and I never want to have to have the conversation with myself and be like, is this walk me? Like, am I, am I going to be able to pull this off? I, I want to be able to just kind of do whatever the fuck I want for the rest of my life. So that's kind of how I'm trying to set it that's- up. That's pretty sick cuz honestly I remember like seeing you guys in the big time and it was dope and you guys were one of the better bands of that scene back in the day RIP that scene and swamp <laughs> <laughs> and it's just listening to the the new stuff and even like the older songs like airplanes and stuff like that it's it just sounds more fun like all the other stuff it kind of sounded like you were just like yeah this is the songs that we're writing that fit in this scene and like girls like it so we're we're doing it it lets us tour but now it's kind of like you're just like I wrote this and I'm just going to put it out whether people like it or not and it seems like people really like it and I like it and I'm just really excited to see you continue to have fun. Well, thanks boys. Yeah, I think that making it was kind of scary because like Chris said it's like it's kind of the most pop stuff I've ever done. Um like when I wrote Lucia Rose, it kind of just scared the hell out of me. I was like, "Wow, like this song is really good, but like this is super pop." And um it like I kind of just my my producer kind of just forced me to run just run with it um and it turned out to be re- a really great thing um lucia rose was one of the songs i sang that like got me through all those american idol di- auditions and then after i got cut i submitted it uh to a friend of mine and it got picked up for one, uh, one of those now that's what i call music compilations it's pretty cool so i mean it seems like it's working out um i i've kind of learned that like the things that make me uncomfortable are the, the things that i need to I need to do because that's the only way I'm going to grow. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, that definitely shows. Um, but you know, it's funny. You said that you said that this new EP is, is the most pop pop uh, record you've ever done, but simultaneously, I almost feel like it's the most rocking release that you've had. Absolutely. And, and so I kind of would like to know, was that a subconscious uh, thing that just naturally happened or was that an active decision you made to try and like, because obviously that song is very pop. I mean, it's it's in now that's music, you know, but it's still yeah. the most rocking song in that in that compilation. Yet it fits so perfectly. Or yeah, we um, I don't know. We we like think about like what Walkney is at the core of it. And I mean, I guess it, I don't like to like some people think that pop is a dirty word, but I've kind of realized that pop isn't even really a genre. It just means that you've got hooks and whatever. So I kind of what like. Pop has always been something that I've written. I've always written songs that are like kind of pop songs, but we always want we no matter what happens with Walking, we want to keep at least keep a rock and roll attitude um because that's who I am. You know, I grew up listening to like my my some of my first records that I listened to 
were like Guns N' Roses and like Lincoln Lincoln Park, which isn't really rock. That's kind of more of a fusion stuff. But um, I just you know I, I always wanted to be a rock star growing up, so I I figured it it would be good to attack the pop world with a rock and roll attitude for sure. Definitely. I mean, when I was Chris and I went to see you when you were on tour pretty recently, I think in Long Island and yeah, who Revolution was it? Brody right was on guitar. Rogan. Rogan. Ro- oh, man. Oh, yeah, no. Rogan. Oh, I think I somebody else. <laughs> I'm going to start calling him Yeah, that Rogan. Dude, that dude fucks. <laughs> Rogan, Nate, Brendan, like, that was the, like, ugh, you guys melted my face with dude. all of the rock that you guys brought forth. I was not expecting it, because that was before the EP came out, so I haven't even heard. The only song I heard that was on it was probably Lucia Rose. Which, that was it. Yeah, which I don't, was I don't think you played Airplanes or uh, North or any of those songs. Yeah, you played pretty much the whole EP, and I was blown away. I was like, one song it sounded like the Allman Brothers. One song I was like, is this a Santana guitar solo, bro? But then at the same time, I was looking around, and I was like, all these girls are eating this up, which means that it's pop AF. So I don't know how you did that, but I'm I don't know when I'm going to stop listening to it. I think that uh, bro, I mean Rogan and Nate and Brend- Brennan and I mean I have I have a number of people that I play with, but Rogan and Nate have definitely been Nate Nagel is a bass player, Rogan Allen's a guitar player. Um, they've definitely been a really big part in building this live show. Um, looking at myself as like a solo artist, uh, I've kind of taken the live performance as as an opportunity to do more rather than just play the record. Because when you go see, like, even when you go see, like, Lil Wayne, like, he's got a full rock and roll band with, like, the best guitar player you can find. His drummer like, shreds. Pan, I, like, I've seen it. You know, and they just, you know, they just, they, they ham it up. So having Rogan and Nate there um, to just kind of make me look better is really, really awesome. <laughs> I love those guys. Absolutely. So <laughs> yeah, I noticed you guys also have a similar aesthetic. Like, it, when when looking at... Walkney, I didn't think, oh, this is a solo artist who has a live band. You know, you guys, in the way you played off each other, too, in the live show, it felt very organic. And to me, that was that was very impressive, considering you, you haven't really been jamming with these guys for very long, correct? No, it's. I mean, it's been a couple months. It's been like four months, maybe. Maybe five at this point. I, I've, been, I lost, I've been losing track of time. But I definitely try to, like, although Walkney is my project, like, these boys are just as much a part of Walkney as I am, just as much as my manager Brian's a part of Walk Me, just as much as you guys are, the fans, like, and everyone. Like, Walk Me is not just me. It is, technically, but it's not. It's it's a big group of people that all have come together for for one reason, and that is to do something powerful and meaningful. And I think um, I try to just create, like, a family environment. Rogan and Nate and Brent and everyone that I play with, like, we're, we're all friends. Um, which is, I think, super important. No one is coming out with me that, you know, we don't necessarily like or someone that is just like, oh, yeah, he shreds, but, you know, he's a dickhead. We don't like him, but we'll keep him around. Like, I I really want everyone to feel as involved as possible, and I want to create as many opportunities for these dudes as possible because they haven't been necessarily working in the industry or in the, the business of original music for for very long and definitely not touring so i really want to kind of just show these guys the way and um so we can all kind of you know get our figure out our own careers in the music industry and kind of establish so yeah that's awesome i mean it definitely shows on stage that you guys get along and like each other um i think that's really cool how you want everyone like that's a fan of walking to feel like they're part of it like more than just enjoying the music what was 
what's like one of the first bands or artists that made you feel like you were like a part of them that I feel like that had to have inspired you to feel that way, right? Um, I mean, I like I have to give this answer. There's not really I mean like it start it started with local bands, you know? I uh I started going to see shows when I was like in fifth grade. Actually my first show I was like ten and it was like a hardcore show in the south side of Pittsburgh in a basement. Um, Sounds dangerous. Then I, I, then I start. I like started skateboarding and stuff, and then I would go skate at this church where they would have shows in Altoona in like 2005. And I was across the street, and this guy was like, "Hey, have you ever been to sh- been to a show?" I was like, "No, but I'm broke." And he's like, "Well, let me walk you in. I'll get you in." And it was like Valencia and Punchline, and this local band called. Oh like, man, Valencia, dude. So, so seeing all that like made me like be like, "Wow, like I could do this. Like these guys are sick." But it was really just, it wasn't until I got lost in the MySpace world of all-time low that I really felt like, wow, like, I I can, I could actually do that. Like, this is, you know, I feel very included in these guys' journey, and it it made me want to do it. Like, it was, there's no other way for me to explain it. Like, the, that band did a lot for me, because um, they played a lot, but they played in Altoona a lot. Like, JC Ray is a girl from Altoona. Um, they just like as teenagers would come here all the time, so it definitely made me feel like I was a part of that journey. And um, I I don't know, I'm just, and like Mayday Parade and stuff too. Like even like especially Mayday Parade actually like for real like 100 percent like Derek Sanders is like the absolute 100 percent like most down to earth, grounded human being I've ever met in all of my dealings and travel. Um, that band was. You know, I opened for them when I was like 15 and then we would follow their tours and they would always give us encouraging words and stuff. And then it got to the point where I got to write with Derek. And then from there, when they would come around, like you kind of take me backstage, show me the ways that they do things and actually make me like kind of show me the way. And that made that inspired me even more, like just just seeing how these professionals do it. Um. And having that inside look was definitely really beneficial t- to me and ma- made me want to just go, go, go. So. Dude, um, I don't know. I- I've probably never told you this, but Mayday Parade, I actually consider discovering that band was one of the, the seminal moments in my life as a musician. Because I found out about them freshman year of high school. And up until then, I was just like all about alternative radio, you know, Rise Against, um, Foo Fighters, all that stuff. I didn't yeah. know that there was this small punk rock movement, you know, like the happening, like the Warp Tour scene. I had heard about Warp Tour. I knew Blink played it, but I didn't really know about like the side stage bands and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of people our age too, like I could name a bunch of my friends who I know that like Mayday Parade, bands like that really influenced us. And in a sense, it's, it's sort of interesting because you don't really have that punk sound anymore, but you definitely have that punk mentality. So, I mean, you know, like I feel like we don't really have that sound anymore either, Andrew and I. We we sort of, but we still have that punk mentality where we're always grinding and grinding, you know? So I think that those bands, like All Time Low, like you mentioned, like I think, I don't know where we would be musically without those bands, even though we're not doing that anymore, you know what I'm yeah, trying to say? It, it, yeah, it kind of seems like all those punk bands started like, like I feel like with pop and all that stuff, it's like the pop stars are like celebrities and you're just like, oh, I hope I can meet them and like take a picture with them. But I feel like like punk bands are always like, no, nah, we're all the same. We're all just friends. We were just on stage yeah. playing the songs, and you guys are just down there singing the songs with us. Right. But we're all the what same. What Derek was saying, it's exactly. a family, it's yeah, a community. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. I think going into 
<clears throat> hopefully, you know, like I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen for me in the next year. Like we, we've got lots of high hopes and big plans and big dreams, but I really tr- am trying to make a point <clears throat> to keep that mentality with me as, as long as I can, because those are the artists that survive. Even like the pop star artists that like you can't get to like the ones that make their fans feel included. The ones that, care about their fans are the ones that stick around forever they're they're the ones that will always always be there because you can't do anything without your fans and um going through like the three-year lull in between the end of the big time the the rocky beginning of walk me to now um i feel like i lost a lot of fans so all i try to do now is just make sure those people that i have that are still with me understand how much I value them and how important they are to me because I, you know, all these great things that have happened for me, all these things that people come up and talk to me about and things that people are like, wow, like you're so cool. Like I wouldn't have been able to do anything without them. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely crucial. Like you, you gotta, you gotta give that love back. Yeah. Some people I mean, think they're fucking rock stars and just like, don't, they they look at fans as consumers and numbers and it is a business, but they're people, you know. And it's like it's been a dream of mine to have anybody care about my music as much as I do. And I think some of these kids care about it more than I do. Like they're getting tatted up, and they're just like, you know, I'm like, what? Like how? Like how is this happening? How is this real life? Like it, it it's just surreal, even still after 10 years you know yeah i mean i remember um i well i should say i don't remember the big time ever flying to play a show on spirit airlines and i've seen walkney fly spirit a lot (laughs) to play a show which is pretty cool i can't say that i've ever flown somewhere just to play a concert so i think that the fans that are still around definitely really really like you and definitely feel the love because i think that anyone who has literally been to one of your shows knows that this is what you like to do. This is what you love to do. And you love, you know, meeting the people that let you do that. And you just love seeing them out in the crowd. And it's not even that you want necessarily like a big crowd to play for like a lot of people. It's like you want just the people that are in that. Cause you know, the people that are in the room are people that want to be there and support you and are all friends. And you just want that for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I definitely want big crowds though. Don't give me wrong. Right. Oh, right. Absolutely. Right. I was going to say, I think that that mentality, cause I noticed the community at your show um, in Long Island a couple months back. But I just think that your mentality will, it's bound to double and snowball, you know, based off what you just said, like, you, you care. And that's, that's what people want in an artist, I think. I think that that's what the people want. I think that the industry wants something totally different. Totally. <laughs> oh, I mean, you've, you probably had a little taste now. of that with the American Idol experience, right? Yeah, the American Idol experience, I wouldn't necessarily call that the industry. I would call that television. Um, I always kind of viewed it like going into the American Idol stuff. It was always like it is always one hundred. It's been something that I've never wanted to do. Um, as long as I've been a singer, I can't tell you how many times people are like, "Dude, why don't you go try out for American Idol? Why don't you do the Voice?" Like I'd be working construction. Like I worked construction for like ten years or eight years, and everyone's like, "Go try out for American Idol," and I was like, "Ah, I don't know about this. I don't know." And then I was doing music lessons with my friend's kid. And she kind of like forced me to do it. And I kept getting through and kept getting through because I was just singing original music. And I guess they thought I was unique or whatever. I ended up doing like three auditions before I even got in front of the judges. Um, and 
it was a really awesome experience, like meeting Lionel Richie and Luke Bryan and Katy Perry, and I got like some really awesome career advice, like real advice from them, not just like television advice. Um, but yeah, I mean the the industry it is much like the industry where you know it's if there's another guy that looks just like me and or has the same hair as me and sings the same way as me and whatever, but he's just a little bit better looking, like that dude is gonna get it, like. It's just kind of it's kind of the way of the world. So I think that or at least the way of the industry right now is like, I I just think that the number one thing to do is like what we were talking about is like cultivate your own fan base, create your own world. Like, don't let other people tell you who to be or how to be. That was kind of like a big reason why I didn't really want to succeed with American Idol. Um, I you know everyone was like use it till you get far enough that you know that. Like you can make you can make something out of it, but once I got to Hollywood Week and they were like, "You get a deal with Hollywood Records and two hundred fifty thousand dollars," I was just like, "I don't know about this." Like all the horror stories I've heard about people being locked in seven year contracts, like I'm not a Dis- I'm not Disney, dude. Like, <laughs> and that was like my big concern. I was like, "Am I gonna have my freedom limited?" And it like it was just you know it it wasn't for me, but it was definitely like the whole time. Man, like, I would just – so I, the whole time I was there, I was just like, I don't want to be here. I don't know if I'm going to do this. Like, this is – because I was just kind of scared probably, to be honest. But then once I got to Hollywood Week, I was like, fuck, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, they put us up in the Roosevelt Hotel. And there were, like, 200 other incredibly talented singers and artists. And um, it was really awesome. So, I mean, part of me wishes that I would have tried a little harder and prepared a little better. But I think that it worked out for the best because – Feeling defeated from that whole experience was what made me submit my stuff for now and like has made me kind of just be like, all right, well, I got to get this. I got to get this album out. I got to start really doing this for myself and start making new fans because I've always viewed that like American Idol was I think it was like a Dave Grohl quote or something. He's like, you don't stand in line and become famous over and like a success in the music industry. You, like, buy a bunch of shitty instruments and, like, jam in a, in a garage and suck until you become Nirvana. Like, that was always my mentality. And that's just kind of how I felt when I was there. I was like, this is skipping This is skipping a step. I was like, I need, I need to do a little more grinding before I'm ready for this type of thing. Yeah, and, I mean, since then, you've, you've kind of hit the road pretty intensely. I mean, you just got off of, uh, what, a month ago? About a month-long tour? Yeah, it was, like, a little over... A little over a month. I think it was in August. It started in August. Um, it was like a, a month-long van tour. And then because of Spirit Airlines, their Music for Miles program, um, I got to fly to a bunch of different cities. I was in like Orlando, Atlanta, Nashville, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, um, a few other different places. And <clears throat> so for, it was like one month of just straight van tour. And then there was a month of just fly gigs and songwriting sessions photo shoots music video shoot things like that so it was two months it was actually eight weeks straight it was the longest that i've ever been out consecutively and it was brutal but i can't wait to do it again yeah speaking of that you have a tour coming up uh in december uh i do it's uh it's with a band called the vons and they're from new jersey they're pretty sweet they're like a they're like an alternative, a little more of a rock band, I guess. So they're still pretty indie. Um, and it's just us two, and we're doing, I think, Brooklyn, Philly, Long Island, uh, 
Garwood, New Jersey, and then there's an upstate New York date that I can't remember for the life of me right now. But it's just five little shows to close out the year, celebrate the release of the EP, and just uh, kind of it's gonna be really easy, I think, because um, it's all in the Northeast. Yeah, those before, drives aren't that long. Yeah, we have a uh, Mike Sharapa from the Stolen. Um, he works over it's all good booking, and he's my booking agent. He's even whenever we have longer tours, like he's the king of routing. And he made he's made our touring so so easy. So shout out to Mike, dude. Bro, he's he's made it happen for me. No, dude, that's that's incredible, and congratulations on that. Um, one thing I actually wanted to ask you was, you know, you mentioned that you are you simultaneously put out your most pop. And then I said you're also your most rock record, and you're touring with a rock band right now. Um, are are you going to explore the options of touring with more pop artists, maybe even like solo artists that are you know straight pop, like radio pop, or are you going to try to stay more in that alternative rock world with the emphasis on pop? Um, I think that I'm going to just explore. You know, I I think that what this music has kind of set me up for is you. The, like I said before, the ability to ride the line. So I think I can tour with anybody. I would always say, like, you know, I, there's still like there's only five songs out, but I have a mountain of of music that just touches everywhere. And I, I used to always say, like, I could tour with Katy Perry, Lionel Richie, or Luke Bryan. Like, <laughs> I want to be able to, to to take to to gather as many fans as possible. I think that the difference between this music and the big times music was the big time music was very niche sound it was like that warp tour emo pop punk type thing but i think that the new tunes like everyone can listen to and appreciate so yeah i'm I'm definitely not opposed to touring with straight pop artists um it would be sweet to get on tour with like dua lipa that would be nasty like that'd be so like, cool <laughs> like I, but but then at the same time like i would absolutely love to tour with like the main or i could see that know, working really well you know like any of it would be sweet to tour like the night game too like just i i think that i have a sound that can that allows me to kind of do all of that so yeah i think just get sky's the limit boys i feel like i could see you having almost the exact same transformation that martin johnson had because he was in boys like girls as like you know topping the always headlining the tours with like all time low and all the other ones and then all of a sudden now he's the lead singer of this incredible pop band and i know that you're a bit more rock than they are but like still like you can they got solos they both have solos, but yeah, the, the yeah Derek's yeah, yeah. a little more rock, obviously. But yeah, it's not—it's not out of the the realm of possibilities, though. Right, yeah. but you see a lot of those kinds of guys, like maybe not a lot of them, but some of them try to like quote unquote get out of the scene and try something else, yeah, and, and yeah. they just yeah. can't because they don't sound like anything else. Whereas yeah. I think I think your progression, Derek, was very natural, you know, because you haven't abandoned it. You know, I, I'm guilty of doing that. I sort of abandoned my scene roots for a few years, really dove into this whole folk world, and just pretended like I never went to a warp tour. And I think that hurt me in the long run because now I, I sort of, like we said earlier, I, I use those tools, those tools I got, you know, being in a DIY grind, booking your own shows, booking your own weekenders. I use those more now than I did when I was, you know, in, in the DIY bands and in, in the, in the hardcore scene. So it, I think it's a beautiful thing that you, you have that mentality. And like you said, you're always expanding. Yeah. I think that that's, that's been one thing that I've noticed that people said that about the EP is they're like, wow, like you've grown so much. And that has always been my goal with every album. Um, that's why I didn't put out an album for a while is because I felt like a lot of the stuff that I was working on and recording, like I scrapped three records. Um, they all were just felt like a step back. So the people, people were just like, wow, like you've grown so much. And my goal was just every time to just grow 
from the last because that's what that's what we do with the big time. We put out five or four EPs with the big time, and every time we just kept getting better, kept getting better. And I think that if I keep going at this rate, like by the time I'm 30 years old, hopefully I'll have like some Grammy or some Grammy award winning cuts and shit like that. Like I could see. It. I, that's my that, my goal my goal is to get that grammy and become like a worldwide like performing artist that's those are those are kind of my our big goals right now yeah and i mean honestly man I, I think you could be one of those artists that wins a grammy for the same song both in pop and rock which you don't really Where? hear too much happening like that anymore so yeah most of, i think that uh Another thing that that I've definitely been experimenting with a little bit and trying to interface a bit more with is just the hip hop world. Um, the way that hip hop is innovating music is just like unmatched. There's no one that that does, like I'm I'm not by any means like yes I can rap, but I'm by no means a rapper. I just mean the way that the music's made, the workflow, the mentality, like. The turnaround on these hip hop songs is insane. Like Migos can go into go into a studio and make an album in a day because they're just like living freely. Like their art is just <clears throat> full. Like some people may argue that it's not as quality or whatever is like Mayday Parade or whatever. But I don't think that's necessarily true. But these guys are just going in and they're just doing it. They're saying it. They're landing on the record. And then they're like, okay, cool, next track. And before you know it, you got 15 songs. And it's just like, that. I think that that, that is something to aspire towards. Um, just being able to be a machine like that. Like, the Hollywood ending days, like, touring and freestyle, like, learning how to freestyle rap with all you guys and stuff has actually become a very, very big part of my writing process. Um, not necessarily rapping, but applying the freestyling to my singing. Just getting up on the mic and just doing a, a freestyle singing track just to find a melody or some lyrics and it's actually changed the way that I I write a lot. I used to be like I used to view myself as some like sad poet lyricist guy that was just so tortured. <laughs> and now I'm just like, yo dude, let's put it out on the track and see what see what comes out. And a lot of times the words that just come out from my come out in just a freestyle end up being the ones that I keep because they're just flowing directly from my subconscious. And I'm like, wow, like that's really true. I never really thought, I never really realized that I feel like that. Sometimes I have my subconscious songwriter mind kind of tells me <clears throat> how I'm feeling before I even realize it. So it's cool, man. I'm just trying to, trying to experiment a little bit. Dude. Got, I mean, I mean, look at how Studa boy came about, you know? He Dude. he was in a country pop band, put out like one EP every two years, and then all of a sudden he becomes Studio Poi, puts out a song every week. I don't, dude, I will never forget. Like I wish, you know, I love Dan, I love Tyler, I love all those boys, but I wish Brandon Stewart, like all the the success in the world. Not that I don't wish those guys that, but I've just seen that dude, like when he first moved to LA, man, like he had no idea what like what he was gonna do. He, yeah. he was applying for jobs, like all day every day and now he's doing it and like it inspires me every day to to work hard and studio boy is definitely it. one of my heeros dude that stupocalypse mixtape is something oh. that i put on all the time like, i mean dude you speaking of Stu the boy you know his first track live at msg dude it was at MSG. You want to talk about someone who's put the work in you know <laughs> dude not to mention like how much can i drink more than you can think, you know? 
and and his cover of uh, Aerosmith's uh, "Don't oh. Want to Miss a Thing." Dude, oh my god, my gives favorite me chills. version of that gives song. me chills. I remember. I just remember Dan telling me about that. He was like, "Yeah, Brandon was in, or Stu was in the, he was in the studio. We're working on a song, and he did the Stu Boy voice." And he was like, "Yo, bro, like you have to just do that. Like that's it. Like keep doing that." <laughs> And, and they just went with it. I'll never forget when they made Snow Boots and they were just like bumping oh at their parties. Like, Dude, that that was one of the best rap songs I might have ever heard in my whole life. Yeah. And it like makes me angry how casually they wrote those songs because it was like, I try yeah. so hard to be a good musician. And that, then Dan is like, yo, dude, check out this thing we did last night. And it's like Shamu. And I'm like, dude, this song is so catchy. That's how they do it, man. Like th- those kids, those kids were very, very big in like my metamorphosis as well. Like Tyler and Dan Same. taught me a lot about songwriting and just a lot about how you have to be in order to succeed. Like not necessarily like I don't mean like they influenced me to like party like an animal. That was already like a part of me before I met them. But it was it just you know they. I remember I had a conversation with Tyler one day. And I, like I said, I was like this emo. I thought I thought of myself as this emo poet guy. And Tyler's like, dude, just sum it up. He's like, just say it. Like you don't have to be so poetic about it. He's like, people will connect with it more if you just come right out and say it. Yeah. And so I've t- tried to write my lyrics on this on this new EP. I don't necessarily think they're the best lyrics that I've ever written, but I think that they're the most like blunt. Like in in Lucy Rose, I say like. I I just didn't have the balls to speak up. I just knew I had to leave. And all my friends like, did you say fucking? Did you say balls in your song? <laughs> Hell yeah! yeah. I, said balls I definitely in my song. I definitely credit Tyler and Dan for like teaching me how to listen to music like the way I do now. Because before I was just like, oh cool a song, and now I'm like, wow, listen to what they're doing in this part and that part. That's they're they they're wise beyond their years when it comes to music. They definitely are. They've lived they've lived eight of nine of their lives. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, you I think know, that, I think that they're like, well, maybe only a few. I think Dan's like a cat, dude. Like you can just Dan is a cat. Of, he he somehow just landed on his feet. No matter, like you that, can throw him off. <laughs> I I don't know if I've ever heard a more accurate description of Dan than just he always lands on his feet. Just so uh, people know, because we've been talking about them for a while now, we're talking about our friends in a band called Seven Seven One Five. But uh, Derek, with, with with all that being said, man, I, I don't want to lose this question. I know we're a little bit away from it, but you were talking about earlier about sort of an improvisational um, writing process. Now, that, that makes me want to ask, because I love talking about this with people. Do you let the lyrics come to you first uh, or do you, do you let the melody find you over the chords or whatever? And then you're singing and you're like, oh, no, no, I miss you. Like you find you find that one word and you build off that. Like what's your process in that? Yeah, so basically how I'll do it is I'll build a track and then I'll just sometimes I'll have an idea already with lyric, but lately that hasn't been the case. So I'll just go in and I'll sing a melody because I've been trying to write more for my voice rather than all right, what does this song mean? What's the song gonna be? Like beforehand. I just kinda go into it blind and figure out what works with my voice and then sometimes I'll just say I'll I'll say the lyric in that little scat track or freestyle or whatever and I'll build off of that or Sometimes it'll sound like I'm saying something else. Like that's how I, I actually, I was watching this Def Leppard documentary, and that's how they came out with Pour Some Sugar on Me. They all just like, did a bunch of different scat tracks, and they came up with the line, Love is like a bomb, baby, come on, get it on. And so I was like, fuck, dude, I'm going to try that. That's sick. So, yeah, it's like a lot of times I'll, I'll just, it'll, come, it'll start with the melody, and I'll write lyrics to the melody, um, which is something that I never used to do, but it's become 
the most efficient way for me to write and and the best way for me to write songs that sound good with my voice. So, so for example, in the big time era, you were writing lyrics down first and then finding a melody for those words. Well, it wasn't necessarily always that way. Like there were a few songs that were like that, but I would write, I would write lyric and melody like hand in hand, like, like I'd write the, write the acoustic track or whatever. I'd start with an acoustic guitar and then I would just go through part by part and just try to come up with something. Whereas now, like I'll just go and do the whole track. And I'll be like, oh, I like that part. I don't like that part. Let's cut it. Let's let's get rid of this. Let's try something else here. So it's it's definitely been uh, it's, it makes it a lot more fun and more like le- makes it feel less like work. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I've never really spoken to someone who dabbles into both sides of that. Usually, it's like, yeah, I, I of course I get the words down first, and then I find the melodies that work with the words, or vice versa. So it's actually really interesting to um. To see someone who uses that approach, considering, you know, like people seem to react well to your songs and really enjoy them. Great. Well, thanks, dude. Yeah. Um, some of the songs on the EP, like a lot, a lot of the songs, actually, I don't know if every song was this way, but Unhappy definitely was. Unhappy started as just like, I'll record, a lot of times when I write a song, I'll just be jamming on my acoustic guitar, like not even make it, not even make a track, just jam on my acoustic guitar and put my voice memos on. And Unhappy was like this slow, like R&B kind of like bump and grind vibe. And there weren't any real lyrics in it other than tell me why are you so unhappy? Do you even know? And so that just kind of stuck with me. And I, I built the song around that. And then one day I was at the beach and I just started playing it like double time. And I was like, damn, dude, this is funky. Like we got to cut this. So I called up Mike O'Malley, the guy who produced Oh No. He's a great, 100% great musician and producer and um he just he was like all right let's get let's get it this is pretty sick and we just kind of we just with all these songs a lot of them i unhappy was probably unhappy and lady were like the two that got written during the time of recording um but a lot of like beast and wah and um what's the other track on there lucia rose Lucia Rose, Lucia Rose, <laughs> Lu- Lucia Rose had been written for like over a year, and like Beast had been written for like over a year, and so we kind of just in that process we were kind of just recording songs. We weren't even necessarily recording an EP. Mike, I just uh, I was living in Pittsburgh. I was doing community service, and <laughs> um, I was doing some community service, and I just went to Mike's place and was like, let's just record some songs. Like, I need to get, I need to express myself because it had been like six months since I'd recorded anything. And um, it just created this year-long process of three-hour sessions a couple times a week. And we just, uh, we just did it. Like, I had to kind of pull the trigger. We had like four other tracks that we we were thinking about doing like an eight-song release. And then I just kind of was like, all right, you know what? Like, we got to give these people something. And, I had to kind of cut Mike off and be like, all right, we can't work on anything else. We need to put, focus on these songs and get these ones out. No, yeah, dude, um, that, that makes sense. Now, you referenced earlier about the hip-hop game and how, you know, there is such a steady outflow of music. Being that you just, that, that you realize that, you know, your EP is pretty short, do you plan to follow it up soon? Or you, do you plan the tour heavily off that? Like, how do you plan to counteract that culture that you, you obviously are very in tune with? Well, I think that a big thing is um, 
doing i mean obviously we have plans to release another single um early next year and we're gonna just do a couple singles potentially like an acoustic release stuff like that but i won't release like an actual body of work probably till middle of next year or something like that um because we're gonna really try to just since this is the first thing we're gonna really try to promote these songs as much as possible get as many ears and eyes with these songs but i think a, a massive thing um that is, that is crucial to why hip-hop has such a a constant outflow of content is collaboration um with the big time and with uh, like oh no and stuff like it's all stuff that like i wrote um you know like a lot of the production elements and stuff mike o'malley he came in and he programmed a lot of the like the stuff um there's like production elements but i think the the key really is collaboration because these these hip-hop artists will be like hey they've got like 10 producers that'll send them like 100 beats and 100 different instrumental tracks and they don't even have to worry about sitting down and writing the song. They just go in and they're vocalists. So um, yeah. I've got I've been working with uh, a buddy of mine named Kyle Culver, and he's a really really great producer and songwriter. So we're trying to do some kind of a collaborative release or something like that. And I th- I think that really it's it's just like building the network of producers and just working with everyone. Um, a lot of people only work with one person because with bands and rock music in general like it's all about like you have to find your sound and you have to make your sound and that's it like once you have your sound then you gotta stay within those lines but being a singer and a solo artist like i can do whatever i want like i can work with any producer i want any type of production i want and i think that that is going to be the thing that really sets me apart is my um i'm not i'm not afraid to work with a bunch of different people even if it is a little bit different right no i mean i definitely think that your approach is what i hope will because that's something i'm trying to do as well with our own stuff is is i hope will set us apart you know in this this modern world of rock where everything is so you know people want the single they don't really sit most of my friends don't sit down and listen to an album front to back anymore they're they're yeah. so it's such, such a short short fuse everyone has in regards to consuming content. Our attention spans have shortened a lot with the internet and social media and all that stuff. So I think your approach is is really smart. And I think that as long as you're consistent and I think, you know, you have sort of a schedule around your releases with all the touring you're doing, I think that, you know, doors will open up. I sure hope so. Next, we're we're really just, we're going to hit it. It's at the end. This is the end of the year. So the music industry kind of shuts down a little bit at the end of the year, but we're definitely going to hit it extra, extra hard. 2019 is going to be the year that we just hopefully blow everyone away. Dude, I would, I would love to see that. Um, before we wrap up here, there's just one last thing I wanted to ask you about because I find it very interesting. It's, it's very it's it's a nice cover artwork and and it's just it's very vague you know there's no title yeah there's wanted... no you you titled the EP but it's just it's so just its own thing I, I want to know like a little bit of the process behind that yeah I love that it's that it's Terry who's normally a photographer being the subject of the photo which for everyone who knows Terry it's definitely amazing but even for people who don't know Terry it's just such a great cover uh, I didn't know that yeah that's cool well though. Terry Terry Swick um was the first photographer that the big time ever had. Um, and we took her on her first tour. She was on our first tour, which was the Puff Fresh tour back in the day. And I give Terry credit for I. I mean, I'm I may be one of the one of the I give Terry credit for creating the swamp, like creating like the 
she took all the photos. She documented everything. She was the one who portrayed all of us to the rest of the world. And I always felt like I owed her everything because of that. Um, she was a very close personal friend of mine. She still is. And, you know, I, I always felt like she never really got the recognition that she deserved. And I just always felt that way. Um, and then her friend, she posted this that photo on Instagram. And I was at a point, for those people who don't know me, like I can be super indecisive to the point where I get in my own way. And I was thinking about album artwork and I was trying all these different things. And I saw that photo and I was just like, I fucking want that. Like, I want that to be my album artwork. And everyone was like, why would, what are you talking about? Like, that's just a picture. Like, why do you want that? I'm like, because it, it accurately describes where I'm at in my life right now. I'm barely keeping my head above water. Like, but I'm just, you know, I'm chilling. And I'm, and I'm, try, I'm just getting through it, just like everybody else. I, I thought that, like, the the colorful, um, like, the rainbow or whatever that is, like, in the top left corner kind of represented my dream. And... How it was just kind of looming over me, um, but really it was it was just something that I just I saw it and I was like I need that and the reason there's no title on it there's nothing is because I was looking at a lot of hip hop cover art and like a lot of these a lot of a lot of new artists and a lot of people don't even put like a title on their thing anymore because they know it's just going to be released digitally. So I was yeah, just like, yeah, yeah I'm going to kind of. Just say no title and just put it there because it's going to be in the little, exactly in the bottom. Anyways, you know, when we do physical copies and stuff, you know, we'll put like the Walk Knee logo and stuff at the bottom or maybe put Oh No on the back or something like that. But Mm -hmm. I really, it was really just something that that was kind of natural. I just, I saw it and it inspired me and I felt that it it captured what the EP is about. It's It's called Oh No because... It's it's really like it's a bunch of songs that are about being unable to do like seeing a problem in the distance and not really being able to do anything about it and not being able to like keep yourself going. So I was just like, okay, cool. Like this photo seems like it seems like it really embodies everything. I think there were there were a couple other artwork pieces that it just when it when it doesn't feel right, you just know. When you when you do know, you know. Like, yeah. And it just it just stuck. So I thought it was a good homage to Terry for all those times that all my boys posted her photos without photo cred. And too true. I, don't, I, it, I thought it would be a good callback to the big time too. You know, like to show to show all those fans and all the people that are still listening that I haven't forgotten where I come from. Yeah, that's and, beautiful. And man. that I won't. I think it's. I won't forget. I think it's really cool because, like you said, like Terry, uh, like you know, you brought her out on her first tour and your first tour, but she was around for a lot of tours after that. You know, it's seven minutes in heaven, even Hollywood ending and stuff. So I think, even if she doesn't know it or maybe no one really knows it, like she was kind of the window for all of the fans to see that scene, and she's so exactly. good at doing that with her photography. Like obviously, she gets great live shots and stuff, but she's also just always there and because she's not just the photographer that's trying to not be seen like she's always part of the hangs so it just feels so natural so everyone definitely feels included when you see her stuff but even more so just with the ep like this oh no thing i think that that's something that a lot of people can grasp right now because you know in this day and age there's a lot of problems in the world and a lot of people want to do something about it and maybe they feel like they can't and they try to and maybe like not feels like nothing gets done but it's kind of like you know 
even if it's out of your control, like you want to do something about it and you'll find a way to do something. And I think that a lot of people can relate to what you're putting out, which I think is going to, you know, help people relate to it and keep coming back for more. But, uh, 100%. Yeah. I, I think that like, Oh no, for me was that it was that exactly that it was like, I just need to do, I was like, I need to put something out. I just need to do something like it, not necessarily for other people, like just for me, because for a long time I felt extremely, like incredibly invalid as far as being an artist went, because people will be like, Oh, you're a musician. Can I listen to your music? And I'd be like, yeah, I've got two songs on Spotify that like aren't really me. Like it doesn't really sound like me. And I was just like, I got to have something to anything to just represent my talent and who I am. So then I can have peace of mind when telling people who I am. Like, so I have something to actually back it up. And so that was like kind of my flight away from being like, wow, there's so many problems in my life. There's all this stuff, you know, real life happens and it happens fast. And I, I felt like that EP is like it's. I mean, it's helped me get through the past few months, which have been pretty, have been pretty brutal. But it's you know like what you what you just said, man. Like people, I think people can grasp, definitely can get where I'm coming from, and I hope that people connect with it in a way that helps them through as well. Totally. Yeah, dude. Um, again, I think that just segues back to what we spoke about in the beginning of this episode. Is you really wear your heart on your sleeve, you know? Like that is such, and the, 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 the homage in the photo to the content of the songs that you shared with us, everything about you is just, you're such an open person. And I think that that will permeate through. Very genuine. Um, yeah. Very genuine. So. Well, thank you, man. I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying to be a bit more genuine, trying to, trying to just put it all. I'm not the type of dude that like loves social media. Like I kind of hate it, but I realize that it has, it kind of is the way that the world works now so i'm necessary evil yeah trying to get over myself and just kind of put everything out there because i feel like that's 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 the only that's the only way to really show people who who i am on a on a regular basis and let people in because you know the music is one thing but what really matters is if people are are going to be able to connect with me and if people are going to be able to believe in me as a person because that's you know the music the music back the music is the most important thing i think to me but to other people it's hard to it's hard to get people to latch on to just some songs like you it's kind of you got to be everything which totally is, which it can be hard but it's it's definitely the way that it works derek i gotta say that this conversation has made me proud to be your friend man like seriously <laughs> i i wish you nothing but the best going forward um, I think you have an incredible album on your hands, and I'm sure the music to come is uh, is going to be absolutely incredible as well. Um, so, w- with that being said, uh, we gotta we gotta start wrapping this one up. Derek, where can people find you? What can they expect from you going forward and into the new year? Well, you can find all of my stuff over at WalkMe.com, but I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that stuff. Um, if you go to any of my bios, you can find the link to my album uh, i just released a music video for lucia rose which is up on youtube it's over on facebook over at the now that's what i call music page um and i'll be on tour from december 13th through the 17th in the northeast so if you're listening to this go to walking.com slash tour grab some tickets and come out and party with us because it's gonna be awesome oh yeah <laughs> on the ground and in the skies derek thank you so much for hanging out with us man we appreciate it dude 
Anytime, man. I, I love you guys. Thank you so much for yeah, asking. Yeah, we love you, man. Love you too, bro. Have a good one, homie. Thank you. All right. You too, brother. Peace out. It was Bye. a little bit of youth and greed. I know we had a history, yeah. I was waiting up by the phone, waiting for your call, waiting for your call. I was waiting for your call. You said I want it all. You said you needed my body. So come and meet you in the hotel lobby, yeah. I said, are you?